This is Stop Sucking at Business, episode 34. It's time to grow your business, stop spinning your wheels, and build the life you deserve. And I'm here to help. My name is Megan Brain. This is Stop Sucking at Business. Hey guys, welcome to the show. My name is Megan Brame. I'm an award-winning entrepreneur and I am here to help you succeed in your small business. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, This episode is actually going to be a little bit of a reverse. It's going to be someone interviewing me, but I'll get to that really quickly. Actually, I'm happy that I'm not doing a live one right now because ever since this morning, about 8.30 a.m., they've decided to just jackhammer right in front of my building. Just, you know, because they feel like it. I don't know. Nobody's quite sure. I see all of the people (laughs) standing outside with their arms crossed just trying to figure out what is happening. But obviously that doesn't make for a good way to record a podcast, right? So luckily, Laura Fisk is going to take over this one for me. This is a recording that I did, and it's one of six. Uh, It's this new series that I launched last week. It launched last Wednesday, and it's called a mentor series. This is where I interview experts in a certain category and just like pick it apart in every angle that I can, just find out what they think about, what they have learned what tricks they know, what they want to tell you, how to learn from them. And it's so good. I did this first series on craft shows because I've had a lot of you ask me about where to find shows, uh, how to sell at shows and things like that. And that was a big strategy for me when I was starting out. So I am so happy to have this available to you guys. You can order the entire kit and it comes with six interviews, five of them are from other experts and one of them is mine. Uh, It comes with photos of their setups and anything else they wanted to share. It's just so good, you guys, and I'm so excited about it. You can get it at meganbrame.com slash mentor, and it's brame like frame with a B, like a picture frame. You can download it right there, and you can also listen to this interview there as well. But since I'm already in your earballs, I figured, what the heck? Let me offer you this on this lovely June day. Well, <sighs> kind of lovely, except for all the noise. But what are you going to do? Right? We roll with it. So here is my interview by Laura Fisk about craft shows and selling at shows. Hey, Megan. How hey, Laura. So we're going to interview you now. This is exciting. <laughs> so why don't you just set up who you are and, you know, what your, your business used to be, I guess we can say. Uh, well, my name is Megan Bream, as you may or may not know. Uh, I ran Metropolis Soap Company slash MSC Skincare and Home from like 2008 till 2016. And I made mostly uh, soap, skincare, home fragrance, um, things like that. I used to do trade shows, but most of, like that was towards the end. The majority of the time I was building the business, I was doing 
markets and shows usually around the Northeast. Um, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, so I would do shows in Pittsburgh and, you know, travel to Ohio, uh, New York, Chicago, uh, those kind of things. And yeah, that was, that was my experience selling. I did indoor, outdoor. I had my tent blow away. I had my, (laughs) I had my tent collapse. I know. Oh, Oh, good. It's like going to war. I think it's probably like PTSD. Oh my god. Yeah. So I'm excited to tell people about it. Yeah. Welcome to the world of craft fairs. <laughs> Candies and rainbows. Oh my god. All right. So that said, when was your fir- when was your first show and what was your first show and what was it like? My first show was at a a museum in Pittsburgh called the Mattress Factory. And have you ever been there? Yes, I love the Mattress Factory. Uh, It's kind of like the, would you say it's like an avant-garde museum? Yes. Okay, so like, uh, uh, it's called the Mattress Factory. You know, it's not going to be like classical Greek sculptures or anything like that. Um, But they had a holiday market there. And my first show uh, (laughs) was just, I I had a bunch of things. I was like a crafty person. I had... (laughs) I had jewelry. I had um, duct tape roses, which was actually my first sale ever. I'll never forget it. It was like some uh, little seven or eight year girl bought one of my duct tape roses. And that was the first sale I'd ever made on something I had made. Um, but but my my mom was and still is to this day. She was very crafty. And so that's where I got that from where I was just like, I want to do it. I want to make stuff. And um, so my table was just, laid out. It, there was no display. It was just my stuff laid out on a table. And the only reason I had a uh, tablecloth was because my best friend in college, Jackie, and I went to uh, we went to Walmart in Pittsburgh where they still had fabric. And she was like, you need to have a tablecloth for your show. And I was like, oh, okay. So I, got, I just got a black, I guess, velvet maybe like crushed velvet almost tablecloth. And I still had it. I had it until I closed the business because it was so sturdy and good. But yeah. uh, So save for the vase to hold the duct tape roses, uh, everything was just laid out. And I made, I was so excited because it was a holiday show and I had broken a hundred dollars. I can't, maybe like $140 or something like that. I was so excited. And I went back to uh, my college apartment where Jackie and her boyfriend were, and I was telling them, I was like, I, just, I broke 100, it was awesome. And her boyfriend goes, that's awesome. What were your costs? <laughs> smart, smart man. And I was like, oh. So I, I like barely broke even, I think. <laughs> oh gosh. I but mean, that, that, was, that was my fault. That wasn't the museum's fault. No, I think that's great. I actually love that you didn't know you had to bring a tablecloth, <laughs> and that explains why on every rules packet they expressly say... <laughs> Please bring tablecloth. Right. I, like, I, I hadn't All even right. thought of like investing in one. I was like, I'll just buy something. You know, oh but, my gosh. Yeah. I feel like you just did talk about what your first setup was. So I want to ask you, as your setup evolved, which it obviously did, <laughs> uh, what tricks did you learn along the way? Well, when I first started like going away from crafty things and just focusing on skincare and home goods. Um, I really wanted to do like my, the closest I could do to a store setup 
without it being entirely heavy and difficult because I never had a car. And, um, but I still wanted like all of my scrubs to be laid out along the same plane and um, incorporating uh, like rotating racks or things like that. And I found out as I, my uh, setup evolved that for me, for skincare, that wasn't really necessary. I had a rotating, and I was so sad to get rid of it because it was such a shiny object, but I had a rotating cupcake stand. Oh. Like, like you'd plug it in and charge it, and then it would, you turn it on and it rotated. What? I had it at Handmade Arcade. Um, and it was such a shiny object thing, but so stupid. It was so stupid. So, because. Well, also, if it's rotating, you can't. Nobody could take it as you go. Right. It was like my own home shopping network or something. You know? like it was so, so as my display evolved and it evolved, evolved multiple times. Uh, I learned to keep it simple to add risers to just build height. Mm -hmm. um, also for two reasons, one like bed risers, which are the most amazing invention ever for shows. It keeps grubby little hands off of my stuff. <laughs> No offense to parents, but no, it's just, you know. No, I hate grubby little hands. And two, I could hide under, like, I could hide, if I had height, I could hide, and I could eat something really quickly. Like, I could take a bite of sandwich behind a display so that nobody had to watch me chew and get stuff all over my face. Not not sad at all. <laughs> no, no I, I had a very, uh, a very happy life back then. <laughs> Again, not sad. Not right. sad at all. Okay, so I think, like, the height is always the... Yeah, the height and, for me, uh, modular, keeping it modular so that it was transportable and could, uh, you know, six-foot table versus eight-foot table versus indoor versus outdoor, you know, how could I tweak things to make it still work? Yeah, so key. Yeah. So, and then, it's funny, it's funny you started out doing all this crazy stuff. I know. So I guess, I mean, I mean, like when, how did you know your work was going to fit into shows? And I guess specifically skincare, how did you know it would fit? I wish I could say I had some grand plan, but I think that that was the only way that I saw people doing business the way that I felt I could do business. Like the thought of getting investors or doing like quote unquote real business stuff. That's just like, that was just not even possible in my head. So I was like, how, so how are people making a living, making their own goods? Like, how are they? Oh, they're doing craft shows. Okay. So I have to do craft shows. And so I sort of tailored my brand to fit in there rather than the other way around. Yeah. I hear you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> and when it comes to like your pricing strategy, when you were at a show, and obviously this is retail craft shows or markets, um, is it, how did you do it different? Did you keep prices the same on your website or were they different or how did that work? I think for the most part, I kept them the same. I didn't want to have any kind of like bad juju or bad feelings from people that would be like, oh, well, I, you could, you bought it for five bucks here, but on the website, I'd have to buy it for eight bucks. And I don't think that's, fair and totally I, I do not think that that was fair so uh, I would try and not do that unless I was trying to get rid of a product 
if I was doing that, then I would have a show special for that product. But um, for the most part, it was pretty much across the board. However, I did have like three soaps for 20 bucks or three candles for whatever, three diffusers for whatever. Like I would give bulk discounts at shows. Right. Because then I wouldn't have to take it home. Um, but I, that's like psychological thing where, I mean, I see it time and time again where it's like, Oh, Oh, it's three for 20. I have to, like, I have to get three. Right. I, I've got uh, more money. I've got a 20 right here. This is perfect. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Yeah. And when, in terms of planning your year, planning your year and planning your show schedule, how early in advance are you doing that? I try to do it as early as possible, but uh, I tried to plan my holiday season as early as possible, but my spring and my summer schedule would uh, weren't ever set in stone. It was more like, do I want to, I would call it going on tour, you know, like I was some rocker or something, but <laughs> but that was what I was, I would go to Philly and I would go to, you know, Queens. That's true, and, actually. That sounds so much more glamorous. <laughs> it it wasn't, but you know, it but I would call it I would go on tour and so did I want to go on tour in summer or do I want to focus on wholesale? And so um and obviously those are not you know, they can blend. It doesn't have to be one or the other, but my holiday schedule I would try and plan out as early as possible and my spring and summer schedule was kind of more fluid. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and how do you, where did you, where do you like usually look for new shows? My, the best way I ever found was just gossiping with people at shows. <laughs> and like, uh, you and I talked about, or we'll talk about depending on when people listen to this. Um, I don't recommend just going up to someone and being, so what shows do you do? Like, I recommend getting to know them and being friends with them. And then you guys can gossip about people or shows or whatever. Um, so that was always the best way that I found, but there are, do you remember, and I missed this. So if you're ever listening to this Richmond craft mafia, they had a website called indiecraftshows.com. Do you remember that? Yes. That was a great site. It was a great site. And it was where I learned about a lot of the indie craft shows. Um, I, I think if, even if it's active, like if, even if the domain is still theirs, it's not updated anymore, but um, I would look on there. I would look on zapplication.org, which is like where the more traditional art fairs, street mm-hmm. fairs were. And um, I would, yeah, I would mostly look there. I would look at here in New York, there were always shows, there were always 10 best shows of whatever, like AM New York would have it, which is a local paper here, or Time Out New York would always have something about like the 10 festivals of happening. Um, so I would look there and, but uh, the best was always just asking other people and getting feedback on what shows were really working out for others. Yeah. Cause even if you couldn't get in that year because it was past, right. it's like, look towards the next year. Mm-hmm. And I would also, if people would mention the same shows, I would kind of take the average of what they were saying. Like if someone was like, that was a terrible show, I couldn't, but they could qualify it why it was terrible. Like, well, it was terrible because I was in a horrible spot and I was, it was a, in a dark spot. Nobody saw me. And then someone else was like, I had an amazing show. I was right up front and blah, blah, blah. Then I kind of took the average there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's true. Cause yeah. there's a, you know, 
I feel like your spot can only hurt you so much. Right. Right. Um, okay, so this is a big one. Okay. So how do you define a show as being good? This is a, when I don't know if I thought of this question or you thought of this question, but it is <laughs> a hard question because it's, it's like the eternal question. Too. Yeah, absolutely. It's always changing. Um, the number one, obviously, always is, did I make a profit? If I, if I sold nothing, but I had fun, that's great. But I, my American Express is not going to be like, well, you had a lot of fun, so that, that's fine. Payment waived. <laughs> you know, like they, no, if I had to make a profit, um, I had to, if, if the show wasn't as profitable, but I got leads, like I got uh, wholesale requests or if I got a press mention or something, then that, you know, that, that, that took it up to a B plus rather than a, a B minus. Um, so, and just what the overall experience was, was it, is it a good show because there were always volunteers around that uh, it was easy to load in? It was easy to load out. It like, were they helpful? Were, were there amenities? There's been shows that I been to that there wasn't a bathroom and you're like, this is like, I don't care if I made $12,000 in one day, I'm not going back there because like, there's, there's just not these considerations. And I feel like that says a lot about the organizers. So yeah. uh, not having a bathroom is a rough one. Yeah. In there. <laughs> even even the you know no pun intended but the crappy porty potties just fine at least they're there yeah at least it's something right. <laughs> so sad i know <laughs> well that i feel like that leads into the next one which is so this one could be a topic unto itself for oh. two hours but uh what are some red flags to watch out for <laughs> the one that comes to mind and I think it's because you and I were talking about this and it just it like this brought something up um I was at a show once in Ohio where the organizer was like there will be police to escort you out because this is a dangerous neighborhood to, to have like to like have your bins out and you're just like oh my god what have I gotten myself into <laughs> um so that's a red flag um, uh, if the show organizers aren't accessible via email easily, and I don't mean that to bombard them with emails, but if you have a question and they're not responsive, I feel like that's a red flag. Um, if the organizers aren't, for the most part, if they're not organized, like if there's... <laughs> organizers right <laughs> if you're not getting info from them before the show of like where your booth is or yeah. what what load-in instructions are there have been times that I've had to email organizers and be like how do what are the load like what time can we start setting up like all of these like things that you need to know ahead of time if they're not getting back to you I take that as a red flag um I and this is gonna be kind of stocky I guess but I would always look at pictures on the website of the show and of course everybody's gonna have the picture of like the biggest crowd that they can and it's some sort of aerial shot that shows how busy this is but 
I would dig a little further and look at pictures and look at vendors' faces that didn't know they were having their picture. <laughs> you know, like, did they have their arms crossed? Did they look bored? Were these, you know, like, it was just these visual cues, this body Where language. Were they asleep? Yes! Yes. Were they that asleep? That happened at a show once. My neighbor fell asleep. It was that slow. Are you kidding? Nope. Oh, God. Um... So I would always look at those photos. I would look at if you were able to get the application ahead of time, like if, if they sent out a pre-application packet or something, which very rarely they do, but the application will usually have something about um, like advertising or things like that. Like where yeah. is the show known to advertise or do they rely on you to just do the advertising. If they do, then that's a huge red flag because you're paying them money to do this, to organize this, put the, get the asses in the seats, you know? So, um, that was always something I looked out for. Like what kind of advertising were they doing? Uh, a friend and I would always, if we were in a show that was out of, you know, a city that we're not from, he would always get their local paper, like their local free paper and see if they, if the show had advertised in there because it seemed like a really, just something that they should do and some some of them did and some of them wouldn't so that was always kind of like a how are they getting yeah. the word out that this exists um that was always something that I would pay attention to as well yeah, and I I actually don't think it's stalkery at all to do a deep image search I do that too like I don't <laughs> I think looking at the faces is really smart and now now that there's Instagram with hashtags and everything oh, it's yeah. just do it like so much easier exactly go stock that way i'm sure that if it's a big show i'm sure it has a hashtag and also that you know there always is i i do the same thing like there always is that big group you know like look at all the shoppers yeah. mm-hmm. and that, that main shot looks weak yeah that that's what the, that's what they're going to lead with i don't think so you like know? it's like ooh, blah, blah, blah. so mm-hmm. so what are some um what are some unwritten rules of etiquette um, you know, day of, before, after. Well, the one that first one that comes to mind, and I, <laughs> and I know who I'm saying this to, but um, if you show up late, you should not show up late. Are and, you saying it to me? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying it. I know, I know <laughs> that you struggle with, and I'm not. But you are a polite person about it. If you are running late, it happens. I've been late. It happens. But if you're running late and you just throw your bins or you throw your whatever in front of other people's booths while you're like you're trying to get everything in, then that's that's not cool. You should always try and be respectful of your neighbors. Um, it's your fault, not theirs. You're late. Exactly. Um, always try and I. It seems really tempting, but try and park away from the show if you can. Not not like incredibly far away, but don't take the primo spots. Take, leave the primo spots for the customers because. Right. And park where you're supposed to. Cause exactly. they usually out of the rules. Um, if you bring an extension cord, this is just a rule of etiquette that I've had for myself is offer it to other people too. Like, um, if there was electricity available at a show and I used an extension cord, and I had like multiple prongs or something. I was like, yeah, you can use it to charge your phone. That's fine. I don't care. Um, I would always personally introduce myself to the people on the other side of me 
and sometimes a person across from me if I could get to them, but um, it just always gave me an idea of how receptive they were and also just set me as a friendly person that, um, yeah, of course I'll watch your booth or will you watch mine? And so we have this connection. Um, don't try and chase vendor or chase customers. Don't try and distract customers from other people's booths that always just, you know, do unto others, right? Yep. Like, um, just be polite, be nice. Even if you're not feeling polite and nice, um, you're there to work. Right. And so put on your work face and everybody, it'll, it'll go a lot smoother. Yeah, I agree. I remember once, I don't know if you know Fawn, she's the best. I love her. She's so salty. She was like, I remember I was, I wasn't late to, I've never actually been like late to a show, but I was late to the setup time. And she was like, dude, she's like, what are you doing? She's like, you wouldn't be late to work like this. (laughs) And she was so, she's really sarcastic. And she was so serious. And I was like, oh man, I've just been like slammed. And it was like a good thing to hear. Oh, sorry. Um, It was a good thing to hear though, because you know, she's right. Like, Mm -hmm. dude, you're disrespecting everyone by being late. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it look, it, it happens and I've been late too, but I've always tried to like sneak it, sneak in behind the vendors or things like that so that I wouldn't bother anybody or Just get set up and get right. those bins under your table as fast as humanly possible. Absolutely. So no one's going to buy it from you until you look halfway together. Exactly. Um, so what do you do if you feel like your category is oversaturated. There was way too many skincare people. I've had this where it was, let's say there's 40 vendors and there were seven soap people and one was diagonal from me. And I was just like, what is happening now? What like, and nobody did well that day. It's just like, I I wish I could give an answer that was like, Oh, well you just work through it and every, you'll make money. Like, no, it's, it, it shallows the pool so that nobody is going to do okay. So knowing that you set your expectations lower, (laughs) right? You, you keep, you keep a note of this. You tell the organizers just like, don't be afraid that it's going to burn a bridge to say, this was a problem. And I know it was a problem for other people too. The worst thing that I can hear someone say is, oh, look, more soap. That's, yep. that's like, oh, that's like tearing my heart. It it was like whenever that happened, it was terrible. So, Or like there's sure a lot of soap people here right. today. Like, yeah, there are. Like, hi, hi, I noticed. Yeah. Um, but then paddle your own canoe. You know, just like, okay, I've got to make sure. I know that I'm up against a lot here, so I've got to bring it. I've got to be really friendly. I've got to be really proactive. I've got to um, talk to people and like engage the customers so that selling at these shows is basically them buying you, like an extension of you. And I don't mean like prostitution or anything, but like... <laughs> what are you saying? Oh, this is a different kind of craft care. Right. Like this is, this, this one is, you know... Hey, um, whatever to make rent, right? No. So, <laughs> um, so I, 
that's when you really start to um, tell your story and really make it make a personal connection with these people so that they want to buy from you and they want to support you, not they want to buy soap. Yeah. It like goes beyond, it's like your brand. It right. goes beyond just soap. Exactly. Yeah. And there's another big fun one. What, what, what are some things you wish you'd, you'd do better with, but never got around to doing? I was lazy. I was so lazy with, <laughs> there are people in skincare that spent the entire day demoing their like a scrub or a spritz or whatever, like showing people how to use it. And they killed, they always did well. And I never wanted to because I was tired. I had gotten up early and done the show and set up and, you know, all of these things drove there. And I was always like, I'm so tired. I don't want to do it. And I wish I had, because I know that, there are products that people are like, I don't really know how to use this. I don't really understand what's so great about the sugar scrub versus the salt scrub, things like that. And I wish I would have demoed that more, but I never did that. I also wish that I had, I always had these grandiose plans of like creating an experience and like having uh, plants or something like that, you know, like do like merchandising and things like that. Having some, but you know what I mean, like creating. I had some plans. <laughs> like, you're right. You know, it's like going that extra mile. It always pays off. I know. And instead of just like, like, oh well, I have matching tablecloths. That's not enough. Like, I need to create a like an experience because that's what's going to sell my soap. That's what's going to sell these candles. Of like, oh, I just remember going in her booth and feeling really like it was really calm. And so I just I bought this because. It, subconsciously I'm not saying this out loud but because I was calm in there I wanted to keep that experience and I wish I I was calm and happy and right (laughs) I want to hold on to that and my life is stressful so that's why I bought this candle you know exactly I mean that's why people buy stuff it's all psychology Mm -hmm. so true and what do you think you know looking at new artists what do you see you know what are like what do you see them some things they do wrong at shows I think that they get basics of selling wrong. I think that a lot, and it's something that um, I learned from a guy named Bruce Baker. Do you remember him? Yes. Yeah. I learned from. Bruce Baker's like, he had like uh, uh, tapes. Yes. Yes. Old school, but really good. Yeah. And he, uh, he had these ones about merchandising and selling at shows, I think. And it was, um, you know, a lot of people ask open-ended questions. Don't ask, can I help you? Because you put no in their head. And so that's subconscious. Don't do that. Say, if there's anything I can help you with, let me know. Um, Create open-ended questions. Create an experience for your customers. You can probably still find them. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they're They're on on YouTube. Oh, that would be amazing if they are, actually. I still have, I think I still have the CDs. Like those sorts of old school stuff, always still relevant. Yeah, still shop the same. That never changes. Whether depending the medium changes, but not not the psychology. I think that he he had one CD that was your slides in the jury, and this so this shows you how old these are. This is back when you sent slides of your work to. Whoa. Yeah, but and so people are always like, I I remember when you could still buy these. 
easily, I guess, easily. Um, people are like, I, I'm not going to buy that one because the slides aren't relevant. But they were so relevant because it talked about how to set up your application, how to um, use like lighting correctly in your pictures and how to arrange like you don't think about this. And maybe this isn't relevant anymore, but still feel like for older shows like the ones that are on Zapplication or Z application, whatever, I always called it Zapplication. Um, mm -hmm. It was the like, think about the order you're putting them in because yeah. like, and do little tricks. Like if it's a row of, let's say it's four, four pictures, right? And they're going to be displayed as a grid. We'll kind of have it where something is pointing to the next picture in a, like not a finger, but there's something like it creates a flow. It creates a psychology flow. And um, so I learned so much from him. And yeah, that's still so relevant. Like, I feel like, you know, the applications may be online, but there's still this, like a lot of times if you have to submit photos, it's still the same thing. And I, I remember crafty bastards, Ah, uh, that I never got into. Me neither. <laughs> uh, wish I did. And I remember, you know, I think it just goes back to like letting your products speak for themselves because we were like, this was like the first year out and we were like, oh, we're going to submit to Crafty Bastards. We're going to be really clever. Oh, this is so embarrassing. We made sock puppets to like hold our cards. <laughs> just take that all in. <laughs> so... Basically, they had no idea what you were selling then. Like, like are, are you selling sock puppets sock or cards? Puppets, like that we handmade. They probably looked like from used socks. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that idea, James, That's extreme. Like, I don't amazing. like. And we thought we were being really clever mm -hmm. because they must have had sock puppets on their site or something. I don't know, but I still feel like. One of the reasons I've ne I never gotten to that show, applying to it for five years straight, like, was because we had those dumb sock puppets the first year. And I think, I mean, I'd say that was pretty memorable <gasps> in the worst way. Oh, my God. That that definitely so dumb, So dumb. Just submit your products. Just submit beautiful pictures of your products. You don't have to be clever. You're selling your work, not some sock puppet photo. Well, and something that that's that's amazing that's i need to do you have these pictures can i see these in your life i bet they're on Flickr oh, or something like I, that my partner at the time had taken them so oh, i don't think i actually have copies of them i mean it's just that's it's more convenient I think I've publicly admitted that ever oh my god that's it's an exclusive here folks yeah yep yeah. i've come i've come far from that at least uh one thing that not even new vendors or new artists but just one i guess going back to the rules of etiquette don't pack up early. Don't do it. Oh, God. Don't be that guy. Like you are helping no one. And I know that if it's a bad show, you're like, screw it. I don't care. I give up. I don't care about you people. I don't care. But like, don't be that guy. Oh my God. After be nice. That's probably number two. I didn't even think about that. Don't pack up early ever. Don't ever. I, I know. It's four fifty nine. Wait until five. Don't pack up. I know. Just, and if you do that, you are losing like you're losing the opportunity. There are people and you and I know successful people that would stay half an hour after it closed. If there were still people shopping, they stayed open. Their booth stayed open. And you know who didn't make those sales? The people that packed up early. So 
I know that there are some shitty shows out there and shitty times happen, but you're be a professional because there are there are vendors that run shows, you know, and there are show people that get like this this world is not an island. There are all of these different people and so you like you said before, you don't know who's in front of you at a show and you don't know who's going to find out that you left early. It's just it's it's not worth like just suck it up. You already planned to be there till six that day. Stay till six. Yeah, it's so rude. It's so rude to everyone. Like and if it was a bad show, you know what? Everyone had a bad day. Right. And everyone wants to leave. Yep. You know, and if it's a good show, you're just hurting everyone around you. It's mm-hmm. just so rude. Oh, another one that I suffered from um, at an outdoor show, especially at an indoor show, but even outdoor show, don't smoke in your tent. Oh, gross. I had somebody gross like gross. Caddy, caddy corner behind me who was smoking in her tent and i was like please don't can you please not and she's like that's I, outrageous i know and like i i don't care if you smoke i don't care but i care that your smoke doesn't get on my products yeah especially say someone like me who has like absorbing products or like, scent or you know yeah like, like oh. here's these tobacco smells they're oh. disgusting dirty ashtray candle here you go yeah you're so, welcome. So and that just goes back to being polite. Be right. nice. Be right. nice. Be polite. Be polite. Think of other people. And, and also, I mean, this is like, I mean, this is a really nice world. People yes. are really nice to each other. People are really kind. You like make friends for life. Like when you're not nice, everyone gets so outrageously offended. I have met so many nice people at the worst shows. Like the... I have so many, how'd you meet them? I met them at a bad craft show. Yeah. How, how'd you meet them? I met them at a bad craft show. Like this is show, happy memories. Yeah, exactly. And it's, so, yeah, that's something that I think a lot of people don't think about. I don't think that anybody does that on purpose to like be jerky on purpose. I think that some people just don't think about it. So yeah. um, always make sure that you're considering other people around you and Make sure that you are asking, as a new artist, make sure that you're learning the basics of sales. You know, the basics of sales is ask open-ended questions, be available, don't be on your phone, don't be, oh, that's a big one. Don't be in a book, don't, like, stand. That's a thing that I, as I got older, I was like, this is awful, but stand. stand. Don't it, You know, it's so funny, that's actually probably the number one how to sell better. And it's not even new artists. I see it all the time. It's like, you know, you need to look happy, look happy in your booth. Even if you are miserable, just stare off into the distance with like a big smile on your face. Just pretend going back to my first show with Squidfire. I just remember like he took the chair and like (laughs) tossed it away. And he was like, who uses this? We don't, we don't sit. I remember he'd always say that. Yeah. It was like this amazing thing that I was like, Oh, okay. That was, I still remember. He's like, no one does this. Like, you don't. And it was like, if you want to work a show, you stand, you stand, you're on level with the customer and you're there. You want to be there because otherwise, why would anyone want to buy side things? Just put yourself in their perspective. If you're walking into this table and it looks really interesting, but like somebody's sitting on their chair, they're slouched over, they're looking at their phone. Then yeah, you're just, no, it's. And And honestly, I think, if you are an introvert, 
usually like a serious introvert. Like I'm like a mix. Like you shouldn't, don't do shows. Right. Don't do them. Don't put yourself through that. And if you desperately want to sell at a craft fair, hire someone. Yes. Just, there's no shame in that. No. That's great. Find your super energetic, people loving friend who can like sell and pay them and let them do it. And you can go hide somewhere. You don't even have to, like, you can set up and you can leave. Right. And I've seen people do that time and time again. And more power to them. They knew what yeah, their they knew what their strengths are. They knew what their weaknesses are, and they had somebody that had a strength that was their weakness. Do it for them. Yeah, I mean, if, if they, you, even if it's like ten dollars an hour for someone, or twelve dollars an hour, it's worth a hundred bucks. It's worth eighty dollars. It's worth because, fifty dollars. Whatever you know. So just because there's no shame in saying I am not good at that. I don't like people. And if you're not good at that, but you hire someone that is, then you're going to make that money back. Yeah. Right. So I don't, yeah, I never believed that to be a, a detriment. Like I liked, I mean, you know, sometimes I would bitch and moan, but overall I liked being out there and talking to people about sales or about my products. And that's why I would do it. But if you're not into that, then accept that as your fate. Or if you want to learn, then learn. But if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. Right. At the end of the day, like, at a good show, I come off of it. I'm tired, yep. but I'm energized, man, because yep. I got to talk to all these people who love me. Right. <laughs> oh, one more. One more is, and I learned this from Bruce Baker too, is be busy doing nothing. So don't like, so don't, good. don't be in a book. Don't be in a phone, but you have no many, you have no idea how many times I counted my postcards. You know, just like you know how often I straightened yes, my business cards. I straightened. I took inventory. I looked busy, but I wasn't so busy that people were like, I don't want to bother her. Yeah, it's like fake busy. It's yes. like, I'm just straightening some towels. Yep. No one likes eye contact. <laughs> don't Send don't, an don't follow contact. them in your the booth with your eyes. Like, don't watch them, but be like, watch them out of the corner of your eye, you know, so just like be accessible to them. So be active, be accessible, but don't be like don't be bored don't be don't project something that would turn people away yeah I mean so good yeah anything anything else um give it a couple shots give it like don't you know you've been doing this eight years I did it eight years the other people I talked to eight years ten years you know it's don't be scared of it don't don't think that, oh, this one show means they're all bad. They're not all bad. Diversify. Um, talk to people that I did. My first iteration of my skincare was comic book soaps and comic book things. And so I went to Comic-Con and I did a Comic-Con and it worked out pretty well, actually. Yeah. It was in a, it was in January where there's no shows anyways. So it was a new way to go. And so I did really well there. Like people were like, is this soap? What is this? This is amazing. And so, um, and Jen, who everybody will hear from later, she does furry monsters and, um, or not furry monsters, excuse me, like plush toys. Uh, and Megan Barbada, who you'll also hear from, she does fuzzy monsters and they both have done comic cons. And so if you feel like craft shows aren't working out for you, then expand to, there are other ways to do retail shows. There is, um, the Philadelphia flower show is supposed to be amazing if you can get into it and 
there's like the right if you're the right vendor right there's jewelry there's stuff so it's not so expand your horizons if you feel like craft shows aren't for you there are ways to do retail that aren't sitting out sitting on a street next to people that are blasting mexican music which which happened to me and i think too it's it's the more you do i mean i think that's true it's like if you feel this is the right path for you and you're excited about it. And you, even if you made a couple sales and those were good sales and you know, you're onto something, mm-hmm. I think it's finding your market. Like just what you said, like if you're the right person to do comic cons, do them. Right. If you're not, you kind of have to be true to yourself and say, is this the right thing for me? Like this show just came up. That's going to be in Dallas. And I know some people were like, I'm going to try it. And I kind of like read into it and whatever. And I can tell now that I know my brand and, stuff that it's not the right show for me. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. I can tell, but I know it's a good show for someone else. And maybe it is a good show for me. I'm not really, I'm not willing to take a risk on it because it's fairly expensive. So I had so many times that that was like, I was like, Oh, well they're doing really well. So I, I have to be doing well too. Or I'm not doing well, but it's not, it's, it's apples and oranges. And they are also like, everyone's doing that show. I have to do it. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, for example, like, you know, uh, Renegade was just here and in, 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 you know, just last week mm-hmm. and for the spring show. And I was like, I'm not doing it because I don't do well at spring shows. And it felt so good not to do it. <laughs> I made peace with this. I'm fine. Yeah. I, I used to be like, <laughs> fear of missing out. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I felt great. And I knew I wouldn't have done well. But you know what? Other people did great. And that's awesome. Yes. Fifth- no, you're perfect. Thank you for interviewing me. Thank you for letting me interview you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Laura Fisk and I, we keep it real in our interviews. Thank you to Laura Fisk for interviewing me. You can find her at fiskinfirm.com. And she is also one of the five other mentors in this series, giving out her tips, keeping it real, showing you her experiences so that you can learn from them. And this is such a cool series. I'm really excited about this being the first one. And if there are other subjects that people are interested in, I've got a list, but I want to hear what you're into as well. So tweet me at Megan plus coffee. Let me know if there's another subject that you might be interested in and I'll see what I can do. But if you're trying to up your game, selling retail, selling at shows, comic cons, craft shows, street fairs, whatever, art fairs. This is a baller series. I learned so much and I've been doing this for eight years. You know what I mean? So I definitely recommend checking it out. You can get it at meganbrame.com slash mentor. I'll talk to you next week. Okay. Take care.